Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Ali. Ali, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Ali, a membership-only community workspace for creators. Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Ali, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. And now, on to my interview with Douglas Kirkland. If you love what you do, whatever it is, if you're in the movie industry or the entertainment field, and you, you commit to it, and make the most out of every opportunity, that's the beginning. And uh, But there's never any guarantee of anything, and you have to keep questioning yourself. How can I may do this better and bigger? Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they move, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Hi, bless, and welcome to another episode of the Silent Giants podcast a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at Silent Giants Podcast. And to keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at at Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is legendary photographer Douglas Kirkland. At age 24, he was hired as a staff writer for Look Magazine and became famous for his 1961 photos of Marilyn Monroe. Douglas has photographed some of the most iconic superstars in American popular culture, like Audrey Hepburn, Judy Garland, Andy Warhol, and many others. He also did photography for some of the greatest films in movie history, like The Sound of Music, Titanic, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and many others. This introduction can't even do him justice for all the things that he's achieved in his life and career. In this interview, we chat about his early start in photography. We bond over him getting his first job in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia, working with Marilyn Monroe, his experience at the Michael Jackson Thriller video shoot, and a whole lot more. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the legendary photographer, my friend, the silent giant, Douglas Kirkland. Douglas Kirkland, it is such a pleasure having you on the podcast, my man. I'm a humongous fan uh, of your work. I'll never forget uh, meeting you at your book signing and realizing that my mother had given me uh, your book for for Christmas. Wow! So it was a nice gift. Still one of my favorites. Also, to realize that you know you lived in Richmond, Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as well. Yes, of course. I was Richmond before I came to New York. I was working in a photo studio in Richmond, and then I got to. I, I had other jobs 
before that as well. It was a number of steps, uh, as you probably have experienced as well through the years. Uh, where did you grow up and when did you first hear about Life magazine? I was born in Toronto, Canada, and when I was three years of age, my parents moved to a small town in Canada opposite Buffalo, New York, and it was called Fort Erie, and that's where I was raised. And uh, when I was uh, very young, we used to get Life magazine and Look magazine, and uh, I used to cherish sitting down with my father and going through every page with him on the day that it came, it was Friday at lunchtime. It, it, it was at our post office, and he brought it home from his store in Fort Erie, and we went through it page by page. Wow. Uh, when did you get your first camera? I, I was only uh, eight years of age, and uh, they thought until then I was not up uh, to using the family box camera, and I still have that box camera to this day. And it was a 116 Brownie as uh, Kodak film. Kodak cameras were all called brownies, and uh, it was uh, it was very special. And I took my first picture of the family in front of the house on a cold Christmas day, and uh, there I was, and uh, that uh, burned a uh, an image in my mind that has not escaped to this day, and I still have that picture, as a matter of fact. What got you into photography? Well, I had an, an uncle who had gone to Europe and uh, was in radio and uh, during the Second World War. And uh, he had a, a camera called a Contax. And uh, he, he came back from the Second World War and he had that camera with him. And that uh, dazzled me uh, the, because uh, the year, it was the mid-40s and... And uh, here I was, uh, a young boy, and uh, he he was he was my uncle Scott, and he was a very important um, early step in for to me becoming a photographer. He was in radio, and uh, and and um, and uh, he he. His love of photography spread to me, and uh, he brought a, back, a contacts camera back from the Second World War, and that was a very high level of German camera. And uh, I, uh, I got just uh, off, knocked off my my feet by it, and I took my first picture of my mother and father in front of the house at Christmas on a cold Christmas day with my brother Kent as well, who became a judge in Canada. And uh, he's now retired, Kent Kirkland. And uh, he, uh, it was all very stimulating and very exciting. And uh, that's how I got into photography. And my father would pick up Life magazine at the post office on Friday and bring it home. And we would look at it. Uh, at lunchtime, and um, it was a small town, Fort Erie, 7,000 people at that time, and um, 
so I would go through the magazine with with my father, and uh, I just was uh, very excited by the the world that photographers lived in. And I I think it was at that young age that I really had had uh, a desire to become a photographer from the age of seven on. Uh, did you have any schooling for photography? And how did that bring you to New York? Um, I, at school, I, I went to uh, eventually a photographic high school in Buffalo, New York. And uh, I, half the day was photography and half of it was traditional schoolwork. And uh, that was very exciting and very moving for me. And uh, I used to take the bus across to Buffalo, about a 45-minute ride and uh uh it, it was all very relaxed and uh at that time it was it was after the second world war and things were much more relaxed and the world seemed open to me and uh i i would go i went to a school called Seneca Vocational High School and uh, they one of their subjects they taught was photography and uh it was very moving and uh, they taught you how to light people, uh, use floodlights, and eventually, eventually strobes, uh, which is the traditional light today for flash, at least. And uh, they they taught us all these things, and uh, it was a very stimulating. And before I knew it. I was out of the school, and I wanted to get my find my way to New York, and eventually I did, and uh, I worked with a very prominent photographer named Irving Penn, and Irving Penn worked for Vogue, and uh, uh, the stimulation of being around a, a giant like this was uh, very moving, and 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 it set. Um, uh, me on a course of wanting to go to where I have been. Uh, and I've been doing this approximately 60 years now. So you moved to New York and, you know, you're you're young, you're excited. But how did you get your, your first professional job? And what was your first professional job uh, in photography here in the city? My first job was uh, photographing a, a wedding in Fort Erie. And my first picture I took was of my brother and parents in front of the house at Christmas time. But uh, when I started to think professionally, I used a camera called Speed Graphic and uh, that had used film holders in the back of it. And when I went around our town of 7,000 people, photographing weddings and and the like and and children. Uh, I was uh, very excited. And that those days, it was not strobe light, but flash bulbs and uh, film holders and put them in the back of that four by five inch speed graphic. And that was uh, very stimulating. And from there, I worked my way to New York and worked with Irving Penn. Uh, when did you first hear of Irving Penn? I had been working temporarily at a, a, a studio in Richmond, Virginia, and I learned about him, uh, uh, the great Vogue photographer and uh, 
just a, a giant in photography. Uh, and he remains a giant to this day. And uh, although he's, he's long gone now, uh, physically, he's not alive anymore. But uh, he was a, a giant, and uh, I went to him on my summer vacation from Richmond and asked him for a job. And he first, he looked at my work, and uh, he was kind enough to look at it. And and um, he said at the end, of, but I have no openings. Then he scratched his head, and he said, maybe I have an idea for you. Uh, maybe there will be a, a spot in November. This was now August. And maybe in November, uh, I can there'll be a chance that somebody is here because he may be going into the army. And because uh, there was a draft at that time and uh, he was having to go into the army, I had had a, 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 ch a child by that time and I was no longer draftable. So I wasn't in the military, fortunately. And that's why I was available. And uh, I had a son who eventually became a very well-known animator in uh, of the Simpsons television show Mark Kirkland anyway I'm I'm rambling a little bit um, uh, did you work with him at look magazine uh, he worked for look magazine occasionally but he worked for Vogue and many other big magazines like that and I I went with him on location because I did get a, a an opportunity to work with with him. He said he didn't have a job. And then just at the end of my interview with him, which I'd come up from Richmond, and he scratched his head and he said, maybe there will be something. And he thought of this young man who was going to be going into the military for a few months. And then he he said, well, if maybe maybe there's a chance that you could come to New York at that time, and uh, uh, eventually he he uh, said uh, he would. I should contact him in November. This was August, and during my vacation, I should come to New York uh, and contact him in November. And uh, I got that young man's job, and I I learned so much because he was a giant. He worked for Vogue and. He worked for Life magazine, and I, I was suddenly in the, the big, big time, uh, and uh, I had not seen anything like that in Fort Erie or, or any of the places I'd been to uh, up until that time. So your first big-time shoot in New York City was with Irving Penn? Uh, what I did was I was with Penn, and... Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein had come around to, to be photographed by Penn. And what I did, frankly, was I hid my camera and I pulled it out of a box and photographed the two of them as they were talking in, in, in an animated way about one of their new shows. And... Uh, that was that was a picture that went into my first book, even, and uh, I still have that picture to this day. And uh, it's uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, and uh, 
that was the first picture that I, I was at the big time. But I I was published. Uh, I had different pictures published before that. Uh, and it wasn't in New York, but before I got to New York, I I had a picture published. Uh, my brother, who was 70 years younger than me, and he had a baseball bat on his shoulder, and I had photographed him with a, um, like he was a, a great baseball player. Um, and uh, that's that's that was my first published picture on the Buffalo a Courier Express on Sunday. There was color, and there there was my brother Kent, and uh, uh, it, you know, in our small town of seven thousand people, Fort Erie, uh, which was opposite Buffalo, New York, it was a, an amazing buzz because I had put my brother Kent in, on the Courier Express. A Sunday supplement, and it was full color, and it was it was big, and it was beautiful. Can you tell me more of what New York City was like at this time, and where did you first live in New York City? Uh, I lived on Long Island. I live at the end of the subway line because I could afford to live there. Penn was not paying me. It was paying me something like $50 a week. Even in those times, that was not very much money. And I took the subway for an hour to come into work and then an hour to go home at night to Far Rockaway. And um, that's uh, how I, I got started with Penn. And uh, that was the only way I could afford it because he was paying me $60 a week. And I asked him for 100 a week. And he, he thought about it for a day or so. Then he said, I just don't think the money is in this work anymore. He more or less pushed me away, and uh, that was discouraging, but uh, I, I gained so much from being with Irving Penn, who was a Vogue photographer, and he worked for Life magazine, and and that was the time that I saw the first opportunity. You know, I'm really, really big on mentorship and, you know, seizing the moment and seizing opportunity. Um, you know, who was the first person to give you your first shot at Look Magazine? It was in 1960. Fortunately, I was able to work, but uh, just uh, I wanted a staff job and a big time staff job. There was a gentleman who commented to the head of photography at Look Magazine, and uh, he told them that he had met me and uh, I seemed to have the right stuff. And uh, so he, the Look Magazine called me. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And asked me to come in for an interview. And I did, and I got that job, and I was there 11 years on that project. And But they flew me all over the world because that was the big, big time in those days. And I worked with Marilyn Monroe and uh, Coco Chanel and people like that uh, right to the top. And I traveled worldwide as well. So I was out, I came out to Hollywood here and worked with Marilyn and went to Paris and worked with Coco Chanel, and that was all for Look Magazine. Uh, what role did you serve uh, when you first got to Look Magazine? And can you tell me the story of how that led to, you know, your opportunity to work with Marilyn Monroe? I worked for the magazine. I was a staff person for the magazine, and uh, they, they were having their 25th year special edition and uh, they suggested that maybe Marilyn was one of the people who should be in it. And uh, the magazine was very powerful. It had a circulation of 7 million or 7 million plus every time they published. And uh, so there was a great power there. It was a power that is hard to identify today because publications don't have that type of power. But uh, uh, I was working for them, and uh, they uh, they sent me to photograph Marilyn out here in California. And uh, I was the uh, head of photography at Look Magazine. His name was Arthur Rothstein, and he was one of the people who hired me. And he believed in me and my enthusiasm and love of photography. And... Um, my ability to get along with people generally. And uh, it was Arthur Rothstein. And uh, he was he was actually a, a, a person who promoted me in the magazine. And I, I not only got involved in shooting movies, but then uh, people like Marilyn Monroe, but I also got involved in, in fashion and work I'd seen Irving Penn doing. And suddenly I couldn't believe it. I was in the big time. Truly, that's that's the bottom line there. I here I was, Douglas Kirkland from Toronto and Fort Erie, uh working in and traveling all over the world and and uh shooting people like Coco Chanel. I spent time with her. Tell me about your first interaction with Marilyn Monroe. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, were you alone with her? You know, the tr- truth of the matter is uh, we went, uh, two of the people who worked for the publication for a look, the local guy and, and the, 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 the movie editor whose name was Jack Hamilton. And we went to see Marilyn and, uh, she said, you know, they said they had a special issue coming up and they would like to have pictures of her in it. 
And uh, at the end of the uh, hour we spent with her, she said, I know what we need. We need um, um, a bed, Frank Sinatra Records, Dom Perignon Champagne, and I, I will get in the, into that bed with nothing but a sheet over me. I mean, the excitement I felt as a young man was unimaginable. I still feel it to this day. So here I was, the, the boy from Fort Erie, and I was going to be in alone with um, Marilyn Monroe. And uh, shortly after she arrived at the studio I rented, she said, I want to be alone with this boy. I find it usually works better that way. Just imagine having an opportunity to photograph Marilyn and be alone with her. And that was one of the pictures, stories that put me on the map, really. And to this day, those pictures are still used. And uh, I was one of the last photographers. There were a couple of others, but I was among the last photographers to photograph her. And so Look Magazine going out of business uh, led to your your experience and the jump over to Life Magazine. Yes, that's correct. Look Magazine went out of business in, uh, they were very competitive with Life. But Look went out of business about uh, uh, after I was there 11 years and I had established myself pretty well. And then amazingly, there was there were 25 photographers working with them. And uh, astonishingly, they they asked me. Uh, there were three photographers. They asked if would be interested in coming to life. Of course, I was interested in going to life because that was even bigger than Look magazine. I mean, they had eight and nine million circulation each time they published. It's hard to imagine the power of that. So tell me more about your movie experience that led you to Thriller. I am a uh, major Michael Jackson fan. I've interviewed countless people on the podcast about their experience working with Michael, uh, and particularly on Thriller. And, you know, you were the only photographer on set on the making of the iconic Thriller music video. Could you tell me some more um, information or give me a story about your experience? I worked on a lot of movies through the years, Sound of Music and many others, and I can give you the list if you're interested. I I will send them to you. In any case, uh, I was working uh, with Life magazine at that time, and uh, there was some group called Special Photographers who worked on movies, and I was uh, asked to work on Michael Jackson's Thriller because it was uh, going to be made, and uh, it was going to be made in three days. No one had a, an idea that this would become such a giant film. It was obviously his, his last movie, uh, last film, the last project that he did, because he died not too long after that. And so I was there on Thriller, and I was the only photographer permitted there, and uh, I would come in at nine in the morning and he would show up usually about 10 or 11. And uh, we would work well into the night up until as late as midnight sometimes, just during a three-day period. And no one knew 
how big Michael was at that time. They were starting, he, he was well known, but no one knew that Thriller would become such a, an amazing piece of his. And uh, there were a lot of doubts of whether it was something that was, was going to be worthwhile or not. And he made it, and it was it almost wasn't brought out at one point because they they were afraid it was too revealing of of many things on on Michael and and the subjects who were with him. Uh, did you get to have a one on one conversation with Michael at all? Oh, many. I talked with him all the time because we would, you know, he was not uh, threatening. He was. He was doing his best to make a, a, a good project. I mean, he he knew, but no one knew that Thriller was going to become what it did, or no one knew that he was going to die as early as he did. And uh, that was the first rock video, really, Thriller. Uh, do you remember any of those conversations or moments with Michael? I had many conversations, but uh, he was very relaxed with people. And uh, for his friends, and he had some of his friends come out to the set, some of his best friends, and and then there were people who would, uh, the fans would arrive uh, if they knew where he was, and uh, they'd have to get him out of the way because they couldn't shoot with all these people around, and he was starting to gain importance, enormous importance, as he, he did by the end of his life. Uh, what was it like working with him? Michael was a star, but he didn't act like a star. He didn't, uh, he didn't have uh, different things he wanted. He did not have excessive demands. And he was just doing a job. And uh, he, uh, he was given this job and uh, they weren't even sure it would work, uh, the people who made the video. And uh, they they just did it step by step, and they they had the idea of of a script. They had the the script was written more or less, and I knew what I was working on, and I work I knew that certain scenes would be better than others, and so I'd be very uh, obviously not wanting to miss a, a very important scene, and sometimes they would work from. 10 or 11 in the morning till past midnight very long days and but there were only three of them as i mentioned uh, were you around for the editing of thriller i saw some parts of the video as they were making it but i didn't see it cut and uh i just remember that that was everyone was astonished by the the magnitude of it and i was just thinking hey michael he got a real winner here, and that was my feeling. And, and no one really realized what uh, a winner it was. And uh, that was really the first rock video uh, that had been made. And uh, Michael made it, and no one really knew what it was going to uh, amount to or come to. And, uh, uh, you know, that that is the bottom line. I mean... Uh, it was done experimentally, and uh, he had friends that would come out the the set, but they'd have to keep him from people who would discover he was at different places. 
because there were too many fans and they wouldn't be able to work at all if those fans were around. Douglas, you've had an amazing career, um, you know, and you've been able to, you know, shoot some of the most iconic people in American history and really document some of the biggest moments in American history. Um, what, what is your proudest moment for you personally in your career? The proudest moment of my personal career was probably working in, in Paris with Coco Chanel. And uh, that changed my life because with that, I started to learn French. And I eventually met my French wife, who was Francoise Kirkland. And uh, we've been married now for 50 years. So that was very significant. And uh, I was working with uh, Audrey Hepburn, actually, when I met Francoise. And I worked on, I've worked on more than 200 movies through the years. And uh, I photographed JFK, too. I've been exceedingly lucky. And are you still working now? Absolutely. Where are you in your career? I'm 82 and working every day. And I love it. I would not be any other place by a long shot. And my wife, Francoise, is very important. We've traveled together. We've worked together. I learned French with her. I didn't speak it very well until I was with her. And that's, and, but she speaks English very well as well. So we go back and forth. Do you have any motive or a message that stuck out to you throughout your career? Well, if you love what you do, whatever it is, if you're in the movie industry or the entertainment field, and you you commit to it and make the most out of every opportunity, that's the beginning. And uh, But there's never any guarantee of anything. And you have to keep questioning yourself. How can I may do this better and bigger? I mean, I've, I've, I've worked all over the world. I've traveled on to every continent except Antarctica. And uh, I've been very, very lucky. I've worked with Baz Luhrmann and, and uh, with a number of films of his. In fact, everything he's done since Strictly Ballroom, yes. And uh, there were many others. And uh, so I have been very, very lucky. Uh, People have helped me. I'm sure people help you because you have a very nice manner, comfortable manner. And so it's uh, you and I probably have a a great deal in in common. Wow. Well, Douglas Kirkland, I am extremely honored to have you here on the podcast. I'm a humongous fan fan of your work. You have no idea how much it means to, to, to have you on Silent Giants. And thank you so much for your contributions to popular culture. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I'm enjoying speaking with you. And uh, if you have further questions, please call us. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silent Giants podcast. And to our special guest, Douglas Kirkland. This episode was edited by Bradley Naiman. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. And before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, OPP. Other People's Podcast is America's number one discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. It's pretty much the TRL of podcasting. I'll provide you the link to that in the description of this episode. I'm your host, 
Corey Cambridge. Pod bless. Till next time. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.